0: The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland.
1: Welcome to Practical Living with Pastor Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer, located in Gaithersburg, Frederick, and now at the Universities of Shady Grove Campus. We pray that through this message you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us.
2: It's interesting that in the book of James, actually the very earliest book of the New Testament written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, James actually addresses the topic of the second coming of Jesus. He focuses us in on some very important thoughts and themes that will help us to understand how we need to understand, frame, get a perspective of Jesus' second coming. And what I want to do for the next few moments is share with you two basic messages or two basic themes or two basic statements today that will help you to get ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. The first one is to be prepared. We're called by James, the apostle, and throughout the scriptures to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus. One of the best cures for any spiritual problem that I've learned about in life is that uh, remembering simply and being aware of the fact that Jesus is coming back again. It's amazing how that one statement alone, Jesus is coming back again, can change everything about the way you live. James writes, as I said about this in James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Listen as I read this Dear brothers and sisters, that's you and me, those who know Christ as Savior and Lord of their life, be patient as you wait. Notice that as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. That word near, you might say, well, James wrote this over 2,000 years ago, and he said the coming of the Lord is near, so so why would he write something like that, and it's been so long, and how can we really continue to believe that Jesus is coming back again if James would write that it was near even 2,000 years ago? Well, It all goes to that word near. The word near means it's approaching, it's drawing close. James says the coming of the Lord is approaching. The coming of the Lord is drawing closer so that every day that we live, we are closer to, we're approaching the coming of Jesus. We're much closer today than we were when James wrote those words. It is something that is an approaching event in life. And this whole theme of the second coming of Christ is a central theme in the teaching and preaching of the first century church. You cannot study the New Testament without seeing it over and over again. This idea of Jesus' second coming, this promise of Jesus' second coming is given to us regularly. In fact, let me take you to 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read, in fact, several passages here in just a moment. We're going to spend about six minutes this morning out of the message just reading the Bible. Is that okay? Yes. So let me just read for you, starting in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 15. Most importantly, Peter writes, I want to remind you that in the last days, that as we are approaching the coming of Jesus, scoffers will come, people who deny faith, people who scoff or make fun of people of faith. In the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with the mighty flood. That's talking about the deluge, the events that happened in the days of Noah. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire, talking about in the future. They're being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, or one translation says perish. But he wants everyone to repent or to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the day of the Lord, that's the second coming of Christ, will come. Notice it says it will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to repent or time to be saved. This is what our beloved Paul wrote also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. I'll come back to the themes of this in just a moment. Let's see what Jesus said about his second coming. Luke 12, verses 35 through 40. Luke twelve thirty-five through 40. Jesus' words, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you're waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit in need. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn. But whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be, what's the word? Ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come. There it is again. He will come when least expected. Luke seventeen twenty six through 37, Jesus' words again, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. That's the times of Sodom and Gomorrah. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building. Until the morning, Lot left Sodom, then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual, right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. Anybody remember what happened to Lot's wife? She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Verse 33, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, that is that night that Jesus comes back again, that time, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Where will this happen, Lord, the disciples asked. Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures show that there's a carcass nearby, So these signs indicate that the end is near. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, Jesus' words again, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and and fell asleep. Notice when the bridegroom was delayed, that he didn't come when they thought he was going to come. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Jesus said, you too must keep watch. You don't know the day or the hour of my return. In essence, Jesus said, be prepared. Do you say that phrase with me? Be prepared. The central message of the second coming of Jesus Christ is be prepared. Now, how do you get prepared? You get prepared by believing the right things and living according to the right beliefs. I want to share with you right now nine things that you need to know about the second coming of Jesus Christ that will help you to be prepared for His coming. First of all, the second coming of Jesus is a certainty. There is no question it is going to happen. The Bible is very clear that the second coming of Jesus is certain and it is sure. Now, people think that we're foolish for believing that Jesus is coming back again. I would submit to you that people are foolish for not believing that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Because Jesus fulfilled every prophecy related to his first coming. Did Jesus come the first time? Of course He did. We know that history was split in two with B.C. and A.D. Jesus Christ is acknowledged as having come in the flesh. And I promise you if He fulfilled His promise in coming the first time, it is certain that He will fulfill His promise in coming again. So don't doubt it. It is certain. There is no question. One day, we don't know that day, but one day Jesus Christ will come back to this earth again. It is certain. It is sure. Number two, it is imminent. That means it can happen any time. It can happen soon. Revelation twenty-two verse twelve said, "Look, I am coming soon." Jesus said. Well, you say, "Well, well, Pastor, it's been two thousand years." Just think, it's been over two thousand years that Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave and went back to heaven. I mean, that's a long time. No, no, it's not. A day is like a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. So it's only been a couple of days. Is that not what Peter said? A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And so, oh, it's been over 2,000 years. And and he said he was coming back soon. Well, how could it be that he's coming back soon? Well, again, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So it's really, in God's perspective, only been a couple of days. See, God doesn't measure time like you do. God is the infinite God, okay? God is the God of of all ages past and all ages to come. And so God doesn't wear a watch like you do. God doesn't have a day timer in the same way that you do. God doesn't measure time in the same way that you do. So God is the infinite God, and so it is imminent. We must realize it can happen any time. Number three, the third thing you need to know about Jesus' second coming is that the exact time is unknown. We will never know the exact time ourselves of when Jesus is coming back in Acts 1, verse seven. Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Who gets to set the time when Jesus comes back again? God the Father sets the time. The fourth thing that you need to understand about the second coming of Jesus, it will catch many by surprise. There'll be many that will not be ready. They'll be surprised by it. In fact, Second Peter 3, verse 10, the first part of that verse says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Number five, some, this is important, some, when Jesus comes back again, some will be taken with Christ. Others will be left behind. Luke seventeen thirty four says, I tell you on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. The reason I say this and well, obviously, because the Bible says it to be true, but God knows those who are his, doesn't he? He knows those who have a real relationship with him. And so when he comes back again, there will be this great sifting, this great moment, as we'll see in just a bit, where something will happen in the lives of those that know Christ and something will not happen in the lives of those that don't know him. There will be a taking and a left behind. That leads me to the next point. Number six. Those who have died in faith will be resurrected at Christ's coming. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will come. Say it with me. He will come. It doesn't say he might come. It says he will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Somebody ought to say hallelujah right there, okay? The Bible says that when Jesus comes back again, there's going to be this amazing moment when the dead in Christ will rise. Well, pastor, how's that going to happen? I don't know. I have no idea. OK, I don't have to. My, my brain's not big enough to understand that and yours isn't either. But God is well able to do what he said he will do. God is the almighty God. And so he said the dead in Christ, Then number seven believers who are alive at the time of Christ's coming will be instantly transformed. And notice what scripture says first Corinthians 15:51 through 54 Listen I tell you a mystery so even Paul acknowledges it's mysterious we can't figure it out I tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Nothing to fear about death. The sting of death has gone through the resurrection of Jesus. Number eight. Every believer should live in anticipation of his coming. Anticipation means that you're looking forward to it. You're expecting it to happen. Matthew 24, verse 42, Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will return. So again, there's this anticipation. And the last statement I'll give you here into this point is that the anticipation of Christ's second coming should impact the way we live, give, and serve. Live, give, and serve. Live, give, and serve. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because if you really believe that Jesus Christ is coming back again, it will change the way you live. You will not live the same way. Number two, be prepared for the final judgment. I've used used the same phrase twice for a purpose. And that phrase is be prepared. Say it again with me, be prepared. The major theme of the second coming of Jesus in Scripture is found in those two words, be prepared. Let me digress briefly for a moment. When it comes to the judgment of the world, there are two judgments, two primary judgments. It's what is called the white throne judgment, and that is the judgment where there's the separation of the sheep from the goats. There's the separation of those that know Christ and those that don't know him. And those that don't know Christ are are sent for eternal separation from God. They have no access to God for eternity. Very sad to think about. Wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. That's called the white throne judgment. I'm glad that I'm not going to stand in that judgment. I already fa- I've already faced that judgment. Jesus faced it for me. Isn't that good to know? That when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, listen closely. You can clap in a moment. Okay, save your clap. You're going to need it in just a minute, okay? When I put my faith in Jesus, here's what happened. I was a sinner that needed to be saved. And by the way, everybody is. If you think that you can get to heaven by being good, you haven't compared yourself with God recently. Because to be good enough to get to heaven, you have to be as good as God, okay? Because God doesn't hang out with anyone unless they're as good as He is, okay? And so if you're going to work your way into heaven, you've got to be really, 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 really good. You've got to be holy as God is holy. But not just holy, you have to be holy, holy, holy. To be in the presence of God, to earn a right to say, No one can do that, for we by nature are sinners. And so, what God did for us is that God sent His only begotten Son into our world, and Jesus Christ went to the cross to actually pay the penalty for our sin so that when I Accepted to Jesus as a seven-year-old little boy, what happened for me in that moment was that Jesus Christ washed me from all of my sins and he gave to me the gift of righteousness. And he said, now I have justified you. I've made you just as if you never sinned. I have now made you holy. I've made you righteous. I took your sin and I gave you my righteousness so you can spend eternity with me. That's exactly what Jesus did for us, okay? So I'm not worried about heaven or hell. I, I know where I'm going. I'm not worried about that. I know exactly where I'm going. I'm assured of that. Not because I've been a great guy, because I have a great Savior, okay? I have a great Savior. That's why, I'm, I'm, that's why I worship Him. That's why I owe Him everything. Why? Because my eternity is wrapped up in Him. He is my access to eternity, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So my way and truth and life is in Jesus. So that's the, that's the judgment that we as believers, Jesus has already faced for us. And when you put your faith in him, you, you are now, your name is written in the book of life. And you don't go through that judgment, thank God. Right? That's already been dealt with. That's why you need to put your faith in Jesus. But there's a second judgment. The second judgment is called the, the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, And the judgment seat of Christ is different from the great white throne judgment because the judgment seat of Christ, every believer will go before. Because here's what happens. When you and I receive salvation, it's given to us by grace, right? It's the grace of God that saves you. And that grace is a gift to you. Okay, When God gives you the gift of His grace... He expects you to steward it well. Are you listening? Just like if you were to give someone a wonderful gift. And you imparted this great gift to them. You would hope and you would desire for them to take the gift that you gave them and steward it well. If you gave them a gift of a large amount of money, you would hope they would not waste that money. You would hope they would utilize it well. You would hope they would steward it. The whole purpose of you giving them that gift was not just to give it to them, but so they would steward it well so that their life would be improved by it, right? In the same way, when Jesus gave us the gift of grace, He now expects us to steward it well because we now have the power of His grace and the presence of His Spirit living inside of us. And so we will stand one day before Jesus. Every person here, please understand this, you need to hear this today. Every person here will stand before Jesus one day and you will give an account for how you stewarded the grace that God gave you. Oh, it's not about getting to heaven. That's already taken care of. That's what grace is all about. But what did you do with your life spiritually after God gave you that grace? What did you do with it? How did you live your life? Did you live for the glory of God? Did you live a life that was honorable to God? Did you live a life that was pleasing to God? Did you live a life wholeheartedly committed to loving him and serving him with every part of your being? Or were you a nominal Christian, sort of? Sort of hanging around the edges with God. Or were you really committed to God? How did you live your life? How did you steward the grace that God gave you? That's what this judgment is all about. The judgment seat of Christ. Let's take a look at scripture now and see what it says. Very important statement. That's my first point there. Every believer will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. Why don't we read this together loud and loudly at all of our campuses? For we must all... Stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So as believers, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. They were Christians. They were believers and reminding them they would all stand before Christ to be judged. Number two, a stricter judgment will apply to spiritual teachers and leaders. James 3 verse 1, going back to the book of James. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged how? More strictly. That verse of Scripture is a reminder that if you engage in or in, in, involved in ministry, you need to practice what you preach. You need to live the truth that you proclaim. And one of the passages that really sobers me... Quite regularly as I think about this for my own life, because I preach and teach the word of God to you, I promise you that when we all get to heaven and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you will be in one line. I will be on another line. My line will be stricter than your line. Why? Because I have proclaimed to you the word of life. I have presented to you the scripture. And so the real issue is the real ministry doesn't flow out of the words of your mouth. Real ministry flows out of the essence of your life. Who you are. See, anybody can stand up and be an orator and proclaim a message or preach a message, but real messages that change lives have to come out of lives that are real, lives that are true. And so one of my prayers is, God, help me to be the pastor that I need to be, the spiritual leader that I need to be, because I know that I'm going to be judged before you more strictly than the average believer. And then thirdly, the judgment of believers includes an accounting of our words. This is important. See, a lot of people think you're only going to give an account for your actions. Jesus said, no, 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 uh-uh. no. You also give an account for your words. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, read it together with me. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned.
1: He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. This program is a ministry of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg and Frederick, Maryland. This and other Practical Living broadcasts and podcasts are available anytime at church-redeemer.org. We also invite you to join us for our live webcast every Saturday at 6.30 and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Join us next Sunday for another Practical Living broadcast with Pastor Dale O'Shields.
0: Jesus plus nothing, 100% natural.